0: It is episode eight of the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside the one and only Levin Black.
1: <laughs> uh, let's just say the world is lucky it's one and only.
0: I could see your face when I do the intro every time, and I could tell you're waiting for me to say something mean or condescending, or I don't know what, but you're waiting for a little dig, and I was nice today. <laughs> Maybe you're turning over a new leaf, Rob. Is there a Another Levin Black somewhere in the world? Did I just lie to everybody? There is somebody else with that name, yeah. Well, now I'm a liar. <laughs> All right, the eminently replaceable Levin Black alongside. <laughs> and there's been a little bit of news today, Levin, with the 49ers' long snapper situation. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to, obviously, the game against the Eagles. Carson Wentz coming in. The 49ers are seven-point favorites in that game, which is really surprising because we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. But let's start with a little bit of a look back With the 49ers, this was my argument to Brandon Gowden when I did the SB Nation NFL show because he does power rankings every week and he had the 49ers below the Seahawks, below the Packers in the NFC and I think below the Saints too. My question to him was this. If the 49ers had all their starters and they scored the exact same amount of points as the Giants game, people would say they're maybe the best team in the NFC. But when the backups do it, for some reason, they don't get enough credit. I think they should be getting more credit. The fact that their backups just destroyed the Giants, that means that they're a better team than we thought going in, doesn't it?
1: I can see your point, but I also see the point that they are the backups. I mean, there's a reason why you said you are have said and are saying the Niners don't have a shot at the Super Bowl. We know those backups aren't as good. That's why they're the backups. So... I can kind of see both sides of this to be a fence sitter. I think that there should be more talk going on about the depth and these backups that the Niners have and how good of a coaching job that was. Cause the schemes on both sides of the ball were great, but I also know that the Niners are not as good as they were when they started the season. Hold on.
0: <laughs> I, I have to slam the brakes on everything now. Cause I have to take people behind the curtain. So we record this online and there's two windows we could see each other and in the corner of each window there's a little line for your name mine happens to say my email address levin's had some sort of made up thing i don't even know it's like auto generated by the website he commented on it before we started recording now i look down and that name is gone you know what it says there it just says the talent and of course talent has a capital t like
1: what did you first of all (laughs) did you think i wouldn't notice i knew you would notice i didn't know you'd make a whole segment about this but i mean come on now you just said i'm one and only
0: yeah and we just proved that that was a lie so that should be a lowercase t i think at least (laughs) who changes their name to the talent you are ridiculous (laughs) all right I'm sorry. I had to take a little detour there. Like, I just couldn't stare at that for the whole episode and not comment on it. I wasn't, I don't even know what you were saying. What were you babbling about? Oh, coaching, right? The coaching was good.
1: (laughs) Coaching was good. The backups deserve more credit, like you said, but I also see the point that the team's not as good as they were. They aren't, but
0: they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Like, if you can keep doing what he's been doing, and I, I really thought that this week was his breakout week, and I think they're going to have to lean on him. He's going to have to grow up pretty fast going forward, especially if Kittle comes back and he's not going to be 100%. If they can do that, I, I think this offense can really be on track to being better than last year once Jimmy gets back.
1: Right, and that's what I said on our instant reacts, that... This team already averaged, I think it was 29.9 points per game last year, which was one of the best marks in the league, and they added some pieces. If all those pieces get back healthy, that's why I think they still have a championship window this season. It's because that offense, when fully healthy with somebody like Shanahan, can truly be a record-setting type of offense. Now, they might not get to those records that the Atlanta Falcons set with Shanahan due to these injuries costing them some of the games, but this is a team that can put up 35 points week in week out when they're healthy and you're not going to lose many games when you're putting up that kind of points.
0: Now you put up a poll on the Niners nation Twitter, which I was grateful to see. And you asked a very simple question. Who is the 49ers team MVP so far this season? Now I wasn't stunned by the result, but just for the sake of thoroughness, Let's get the actual official numbers. Fred Warner was the runaway winner in the poll. 75% of the vote, followed by Kerry Hyder with his 14 tackles and two sacks. Then it was, you're such a jerk, Mitch Wisnowski, snap handler as you described him, 8%. I mean, you literally put a guy in the poll that didn't have a punt last week. And then bringing up the rear was Kendrick Bourne with his 164 yards on the season. Fred Warner, I feel like, is finally getting noticed or being maybe the best linebacker in the NFL.
1: Right. He's entering that conversation. And I think the rest of the NFL is recognizing it. I think Niner fans felt that after last year. And now the rest of the league is starting to take notice. And part of that is that you don't have the Boza up front taking some of that spotlight. Now the defense had another great week. So you got to look at why are they so good? And when you do that, well, the pass rush was okay. It's not great. The secondary was okay, but all the players are getting hurt on the cornerbacks, so you can't really give credit to any one player there, but the linebacking core is led by Fred Warner, and he's doing it all. That interception he had was amazing. He knew the play. He didn't even look at the guy running the route. He knew the play, and he jumped it, and he I, I think we should give credit here. He said Tart called it out prior to the play because it was a play that they noticed in film study and were waiting on. But still, he jumped that route. Not many linebackers are going to have the ability to kind of goat the quarterback into making that. Because he he kind of slacked off a bit, but stayed close enough to where he was going to be able to jump in front. That takes a lot of not only skill, but the, just the athletic ability to do it.
0: Yeah, he's been – I think that they thought he was going to be good. I don't know that they knew he was going to be this good, but he's incredible. And I think he – is a huge part of the reason why the defense has been as good as it has been this year because he's so versatile. He's he's not a liability in pass coverage. He's great in pass coverage. Not, you know, not every linebacker can say that. So whatever defense Sala wants to do, whatever crazy thing he wants to come up with, he doesn't have to take Fred Warner off the field. And I think that's massive when you're talking about having to get creative now because of all these injuries.
1: Right. And I I don't want to put him at this level just yet because I, I think that's a level that almost nobody has reached in NFL history. But I noticed he was starting to get used like Patrick Willis used to get used for the 49ers. He is sent on blitzes so that he can use that physical and just sheer athleticism. But he's also dropped into coverage because of that athleticism. He's a great cover linebacker. But then you also see him shooting the gaps and stopping the run. He's a do it all linebacker, and he's at least in my opinion, getting towards that conversation of Patrick Willis, which to me, Patrick Willis, his peak is as good as any linebackers in league history. So that's truly rarefied air to get into.
0: Now, before we start looking ahead to the Eagles game, uh, the last thing from the Giants game was the long snapping. We talked about it on the instant reaction pod. That was the only thing you were really unhappy with after Sunday's game because Kyle Nelson was a train wreck. It was a complete disaster. Almost every snap he had was bad. They actually took him out at the end of the game and put Justin School into snap. And now we got news today that, or I should say news on Wednesday, that Kyle Nelson is no longer on the team. He's been released and the 49ers have signed Tabor Pepper to replace him. Levin, if I told you my name was actually Tabor Pepper, could you dispute that?
1: Like I could be him. Uh, Well, I know you're not, so I could dispute that, but if, I was sitting next to him. Yeah, I wouldn't know what he looks like. I haven't been able to look up to see what he looks like yet. But it's truly, a, I think, a super surprising development. I mean, going into that game, nobody saw that coming. He's the longest tenured niner up to that point, nine years. And then all of a sudden, he's off the team instantly. Because it certainly seems like he got the yips, which, you know, pitchers get it from time to time where they just can't have their throwing form, which, you know, like John Lester of the Cubs and and the Boston Red Sox, he has famously had that pretty much his entire career. He cannot throw to first base because he's got a mental block. It seems like with as down as he was on the sideline, and as much as you saw people like Robbie Gold trying to talk him up, he has a mental block. He got the yips. He couldn't get over it. And that's not something you can go into a game trusting. You can't trust he's just going to get over it. I think it's
0: a huge message from Kyle Shanahan. Number one, look, you either perform or you're out. Like, we're in this to win now. And number two, I think Shanahan knows, especially as you look at the schedule coming up, I know they play the Eagles and Dolphins the next two, but after that, they really enter a gauntlet. He knows this team is going to be in close games. They cannot afford to be giving field goals away because Kyle Nelson can't snap the damn ball. I think Shanahan knows that, and that's why I think there was zero hesitation. I mean, he he said it. He said it Monday. I talked to him after the game, but I also told him we're bringing in four guys. He knows how the NFL works, and we have to do what's best for the team. I think this is Kyle clearly trying to nip this thing in the bud because he knows it's going to get a lot tougher going forward.
1: And can I just say the Niners are kind of lucky that it happened so drastically in the game because there's another team that's looking for a long snapper unexpectedly. My brother is a Titans fan. He texted one of their players that tested positive for COVID this week is their long snapper. So they're suddenly in the long snapper market, and I actually uh, kind of rubbed it into them. I said, good luck finding the best ones because the Niners already brought in the four <laughs> best ones they can find. <laughs> you are literally having text arguments about long snappers. <laughs> it, it's just funny to me that like, the Niners – Bring in four guys and like literally an hour later, my brother texts me, you know, how easy is it to replace a long snapper? Because theirs just tested positive. And I was like, well, it's kind of difficult. The Niners went through like four different guys last year in a 10 week span and they just brought in the four best free agents. So (laughs) because they're probably replacing theirs. I just find that hilarious personally because it's my brother's team, but it's also kind of newsworthy.
0: But it's a good point, too, because, like, let's say Nelson had, like, one bad snap in the game, and then next week he had another bad snap. And so it was like, should we get rid of him? Should we not? Like, this was very, very clear. All of them came in one game, so it was an easy decision for the 49ers to cut bait. So that, you know, it, assuming the next person they bring in, this this Tabor Pepper, that sounds like a fake name, I'm sorry, but it does. Uh, assuming that they are good and, and, you know, do what they need to, like, that's a whole problem avoided for the
1: 49ers. And I feel like the Titans could have kind of forced the issue a little bit because you got these guys in. If you have one that looks good, but you decide, okay, Kyle Nelson looked decent in practice. We're going to go ahead and give him another week. And he's not good. And he has the yips and he shows it again in the game. That guy who was good might not be there again because he might get picked up by the Titans. So you kind of, if you saw a guy who's good, you got to go with him. You can't take the risk of Kyle Nelson once the game's on suddenly having issues again.
0: And let's say the Titans bring in guys to work out. I mean, they're having a COVID outbreak right now. So then can the 49ers bring in those guys who were just with the Titans because they have COVID? Like there's a whole other layer of this that gets dicey, but now they have, you know, they avoid all those problems. Do you think that Shanahan went to Kittle and went to Robbie Gold? and was like, hey, what, what did Nelson say to you on the sideline? Just to get an idea of like his mental state before making the decision?
1: Yeah, he could have. I mean, it would make make sense to try to get an idea of it. Uh, if I was him, I would probably talk to Wischnowski and Gold especially and said, you know, how good has he been? Because, I mean, let's be honest, the kickers and punters kind of work off to the side during practice. Shanahan's not paying attention to them. That's true. So he doesn't know how well he's been doing in practice specifically. I mean, he probably has an idea, but unless he specifically goes over and asks and say, hey, how has Kyle Nelson been in practice this week? He probably doesn't know. He's just trusting that it's good. So he might have had signs of this in practice, and maybe that played a role that Wisnowski and Gold said, hey, he's had problems in practice.
0: And that could be part of the reason why he was so down during the game too, because if he had had been having bad practices, then it carried over into the game, and it's just – you know, that kind of thing sometimes snowballs and it just sort of becomes an avalanche of of doubt and a crisis of confidence more than anything.
1: Right. And that that is, I mean, like I, I kind of compared it to pitching because, I mean, it's a lot simpler to snap a ball than pitching. Obviously, it's a lot less of an athletic feat, but it is kind of similar in that you're fully in control because a pitcher gets to throw the pitch however he wants, nobody is affecting him on the mound except for himself and his own mind. Snapping's the same way because until you snap the ball, nobody else can do anything. And even more so with long snapping where they're kind of protected because you can't instantly hit them until they get their head up after the snap. That's an NFL rule. So the snap is all about him and his own mental and physical ability to do it. Nobody else can affect him. And if that mental part is off, he's done. He's toast.
0: All right, we I think we've covered everything looking back to week three. I want to look ahead to week four because the Eagles are coming in, and let me tell you, I host the NFL show with Brandon Lee Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation. The Eagles fans are as down and depressed as I think I've ever seen any fan base. I want to get into what you think about Carson Wentz and what the Niners have to do going forward. We'll do that after the break. Now it's time, Levin, to look ahead to week four. It's the Eagles coming in. They're coming off their tie against Cincinnati, which by the way, really quick. I praised Doug Peterson for punting the ball with 19 seconds left in overtime <laughs> and playing for the tie in a crap division where they haven't even won a game. And they're only a half game out of first. They could use that tie by the end of the season. I thought it was the smart choice.
1: Well, that's a first. Normally you're always the go for it guy. When you text me every single fourth down that the Niners decide to punt. Well, why is he punting? You know, Shannon yeah. should be
0: going for it. He should be going for it. But I mean, this was like. Didn't have.
1: Last week was like the first week I didn't get one of those texts because they didn't punt.
0: Yeah. They <laughs> never really had a fourth down pretty much the whole game. Um, but the Eagles are coming in. I mean, they got all sorts of problems. Carson Wentz is hideous right now. I mean, we talked to JT O'Sullivan last week. He specifically brought up Carson Wentz as a guy with accuracy issues. And I since then, Levin, I started watching the tape. He's missing guys in the flat. He's missing guys over the middle. I mean, he has been just absolutely dreadful. And I don't understand it because this is a guy that was in the MVP conversation a few years ago. It literally looks like, did you see the movie Space Jam? Who didn't? didn't. It looks like the Monstars came and took away Carson Wentz's talent. Like, I don't know who's out there, but it's not him.
1: Did fools take it back? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Uh- I don't know, but I will say this game worries me more than any of the other games. I mean, I was a little bit worried about Arizona because I thought they were going to be better than a lot of people were giving them credit for because they were bad the previous year. And then I wasn't really worried about either New York team. But Philly has a lot of talent. They have the capability of being good. They're a team that a lot of people thought would be a playoff contender, and they still might be. It's still early. But when you get to, you know, somebody like Carson Wentz, we all know he has as much talent as pretty much any quarterback in the league. I mean, like you said, he was well on his way to an MVP before he got injured in the final quarter of the season. So when does he get right? You know, those great quarterbacks have a get right game where they just suddenly turn it back, turn it back on. I mean, Tom Brady's had, you know, a couple bad games here and there in his past. So if Wentz turns it back on, this is suddenly a really good team that the Niners could lose to even at home, especially with home advantage not really being much of a home advantage anymore. I'm kind of worried about this game.
0: Just to illustrate how bad it's been for Carson Wentz, he's got three touchdowns and six interceptions on the year. His passer rating is 63.9, which is 35th best in a league that only has 32 teams Um, that's really pathetic. He's taken 11 sacks. He's awful right now. He has been just a complete shell of himself. But I'm like you, Levin. that, that I don't know if it's like the doubter in me or what it is, but in the back of my mind, I'm like that MVP Carson Wentz is still in there somewhere. And could this be the game where suddenly he comes out again? I hope not. I don't, I really hope not. But do you think that 49ers defense can prevent that from
1: happening? I think they can. I mean, they've had a really good season so far. Granted, two out of three games they've played against New York quarterbacks who are not doing well, but they've shown promise. I mean, Hyder has shown that he's capable of getting pressure. I mean, the league leader on quarterback hits is eight, and he has six, and he wasn't even a starter until last week. I mean, he might be kind of this hidden gem that emerges from all these injuries. So I think the defense is going to be better than people thought when you heard Nick Bosa is down, Richard Sherman's out, you know, D Ford is who knows what's when and if he's ever gonna play again. They they've shown some resilience and they've shown off the depth that everybody's talked about for the past two years. It's
0: been it's been a pleasant surprise, honestly. And I really like the way that Salah you saw it last week. Critical situations third down situations, he was not afraid to come with the blitz and bring extra rushers. He didn't just say, well, we rush four and that's our defense, that's what we do. He went out of his way to do things differently to generate the pressure that he knew the 49ers needed, and I hope that continues because that's, I think, their path to victory on defense. That's the way they have to do it from now on because they're not going to get I mean, the, the same kind of pass rush they did with just four when everybody was healthy.
1: Right, and I actually saw a stat where the Niners so far this season are in the top five for blitz rate. They've blitzed on, I think, like 28% of the plays, which is in the top five in the NFL. So Salah has certainly changed his tune this year and certainly seems to be adjusting to the injuries they've suffered.
0: Now, offensively for the 49ers, I feel like there's a simple plan, and I feel like it's what they've been doing. Run the ball and use play action and run the play clock down. I love that Shanahan did that last week. Did you notice that? Basically every snap, They were letting the play clock tick down because they're trying to shorten the game because they don't want to have to put all this pressure on Nick Mullins' shoulders. I think that's exactly what they need to keep doing. Let the game clock run. You don't want to have to have Nick Mullins perform at a level that, I mean, basically through his first nine starts, he's got like the third most passing yards ever. You can't really expect that to continue. So I think that Shanahan had the right idea there.
1: Are you sure it's because of Nick Mullins and not the fact that the Niners have so many injuries that they don't have the depth? And so if they play a game with more plays, that depth becomes a much bigger deal because guys are getting more and more tired because you don't have quality guys as backups that you can kind of relieve them and have that. And you've seen that. The defensive line is not rotating the crazy amount that they were because they don't have the defensive line depth. There's too big of a drop-off. So guys like Kinlaw are playing a lot more than they were, instead of 50%, I think he played something like 70% of the snaps, which is the highest he's had this season. I think that's a lot more of it. Shorten the game so that your lack of depth due to injuries doesn't rear its head at the end of the game.
0: That is a much smarter point than the one I just (laughs)
1: like.
0: I'd like to tell you it's not, but it's true. I mean, that makes a lot more sense, to be honest. That's
1: that's why it says the talent on the screen. Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Guy makes one good point in eight <laughs> episodes or seven episodes
0: this year. He, he thinks he's the talent with the capital T. Um, but no, I, I think that makes that's a good point. When the, the 49ers are at their worst, we've seen when their defense has to be on the field constantly, and that's one way to help keep them off of it. The other thing offensively that I really liked from the Niners was that they actually got their wide receivers involved in the passing game. And I feel like they have to continue to do that too, because if they don't at least pose a credible threat from the wide receivers, teams are just going to you know load up the middle of the field with defenders and the offense is going to come to a screeching halt like you have to at least be able to threaten on the outside outside some of the numbers and hopefully the 49ers can keep doing that especially as they get you know some of the guys back
1: and it'll be interesting to see certainly in the wide receivers where everybody's going to be watching is Brandon Ayuk because he made his NFL debut and he did well overall but you As we mentioned in our instant reacts, Shannon said he didn't do that well in the first half. Uh, He kind of wasn't quite on on the same page, but then he turned it on in the second half, and he had that big second half, including the touchdown. So if he picks it up where he left off in that third game against the Giants, he could have a monster game and truly announce his presence and announce that, yeah, the Niners could have had CeeDee Lamb, could have had the Jerry Judy, but they're just fine with who they got
0: do you think that they continue to use him in the Debo type role? Because I loved that they started doing that last week. And I really hope they continue because he's a very similar player to Debo in terms of being able to carry the ball and make guys miss. And I think it was smart because that's an element to their offense that I don't think a lot of teams are totally prepared for. And I feel like every time they do it, they gain at least five to 10 yards.
1: Right. I mean, they literally, his, his touchdown run was the identical play to one that Debo had a 30-plus yard gain on in the playoffs. I think they still use him in that role, and I'm also very interested in the next week or two when Debo returns to see what they do because because they're both uh, capable of it. You could see crazy motions going on. You know, I've already been thinking about what happens when like they're lined up on the same side and you motion one of them, faking that it's going to be the run, and instead you run a wide receiver screen back to the other guy. You know, if you see the defense overplaying the potential for that wide receiver end around going the opposite direction, that could be a huge gain. There's a lot of options, not just with IUK there, but there's a whole bunch more that come when Debo returns.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that all year long, how Shanahan's sort of vision for this offense, it appears to us, is basically to have interchangeable parts everywhere, and so you never have any idea what the hell anybody's doing. I mean, we've even seen McKinnon now go out as a wide receiver multiple times. He's running wide receiver routes. like The full, I hate when people use this word, breadth of the offense has not been unveiled. And if we start to see that going forward, I think it's really going to lead to some chunk gains for the Niners.
1: Right, and it gets back to what we were saying. This offense, when it gets healthy, could be good enough to carry this team and make them a true Super Bowl contender still. I mean, at some point you might get back on that bandwagon.
0: Uh, not unless Nickelosa <laughs> makes a miraculous recovery. But look, it look, it wouldn't be the first time I was wrong. And I'm certainly hoping I'm wrong. Um, and I just want to point out too with this Eagles game, like if the 49ers win this game, they're three and one through a quarter of the season, which I don't know about you, but I sort of assumed when before the year started that after four games, they would be three and one. And if you had told me at that point that they were going to lose Garoppolo and Kittle and Mostert and Bosa and Ford and all the guys that they've lost and still go three and one, I would have been absolutely stunned. Right.
1: I mean, I posted on Twitter uh, this week saying, if I told you all the injuries the Niners would have going into week four at the start of the season and I said, they will be two and one, who wouldn't have accepted that? Everybody would have accepted that. Oh, we're going to lose... You know, almost a third of our starting lineup, including our quarterback and pretty much the starter at every skill position. Yeah, two and one is what you would take. If they can get to three and one, that's even better. And in this division, they're going to need to. I mean, the Niners are two and one and sitting in last place in the division.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a little misleading. (laughs) I mean, technically they're in last place, but I mean, the they they lost a division
1: game. They lost a division game. That's why they're in last.
0: Yes, they did. But I mean, that brings up a larger point that I was going to make to you is who in the NFC, like who is the big bad team in the NFC that you're really worried about if you're the 49ers? I don't think there is one. See You might say Seattle, but Seattle's defense stinks. And oh, by the way, the 49ers beat the Seahawks without Nick Bosa because he wasn't on the team yet. And without Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago, the 49ers beat the Seahawks. So it's not inconceivable that they could do that if if Mullins had to go against against Seattle. Green Bay? I mean, I don't think the Packers have fixed any of their warts when the 49ers smashed them last year two times. I still think they're the exact same team. I see no reason why the Niners can't do the same thing to them. New Orleans? I mean, they lose one guy in Michael Thomas, and they can't win a game all of a sudden. The 49ers have lost their whole friggin' starting lineup, and they can't lose. Tampa Bay? Who have they beaten? Carolina and Denver? Denver with who at quarterback? Jeff Driscoll? I mean, they're still getting it together. Dallas? The Cowboys are one great comeback away from being 0-3, basically. Arizona, okay, they beat the 49ers week one, that's true, but they also just lost to the Lions, who had an 11-game losing streak. So let's not go crazy about Arizona just yet. The Rams, is that the team that the 49ers should be afraid of, the team they beat twice last year? I don't think that there's one NFC team that's a big, bad, scary, kind of Chiefs-like team, for lack of a better term.
1: So you're saying you're back on the Super Bowl bandwagon? Because if there's no team to be scared of in the NFC, that would mean the Niners have a Super Bowl chance.
0: When you win the Super Bowl, do you have <laughs> to play teams from the AFC or no? I can't remember.
1: You do. So what you're saying, you're the Niners are not Super Bowl capable, is saying that there's no way they can beat a Kansas City or a Baltimore. Uh, is that what it boils down to?
0: There's no way they can beat Kansas City. Um, I mean, Kansas City is, my God. They're playing a different sport than everybody else. Baltimore, maybe. Um, But no, I just, because there's no team in the NFC that I think the 49ers should be afraid of. Doesn't think, doesn't conflict with my earlier statement that the 49ers chances to win the Super Bowl are dead.
1: Okay. I haven't gotten you to backpedal yet, but I think that time is coming.
0: No, I don't backpedal, man. Trust me. I go down with the ship. Like I will, I will carry it to my grave. Plus I, I, would think at that point, if we ever got to like the playoffs of the NFC championship game, that I couldn't change because if I did, that would mean that the 49ers would lose. You know how that is. Like <laughs> when you wear the shirt and the team wins, like Kyle with the trucker hat, like you keep wearing it, you keep bringing it out.
1: I'll just say this yes, Kansas City is clearly a better team, but they also nearly lost every single game in the playoffs last year. They are beatable. This whole talk of Oh, they might go undefeated. It happens every year. Every team has bad days. That's why there's a saying any given Sunday. And that Sunday could be Super Bowl Sunday. Would the Chiefs be a massive favorite? Yeah, I would think so. But that doesn't mean they can't lose.
0: Can we get to the playoffs before you start talking <laughs> about the 49 like, You're so eager to try and paint me as being wrong. And by the way, you agreed with me. So let's not make it seem like I'm the only one out on this branch.
1: Yeah, I just kept. Gave myself a tiny bit of an out. I said I think there's a small chance. And I do think there's a small chance. I'm not saying the Niners have some great chance. I you know, I would have said that they were the favorite outside of the Chiefs prior to the season. Now I think they're probably down closer to the bottom, you know, the bottom of the top ten. I think there's quite a few teams that would be higher favorites, but they still have a chance.
0: And That's part a of that is is too, because these teams are so bunched together, a guy like Bosa makes the difference between Having a chance and not having a chance. So when you lose him, that's the difference. Like it's, there's not a huge gap between all these teams. So yeah, I don't think it's crazy to say that one player can move that needle one way or the other.
1: Uh, yes and no. I mean, obviously, if the Rams lose Donald, uh, Donald, they're a much worse defense because he literally covers up a lot of their issues defensively. So I get your point. I also just making the point that I think they have a, Super Bowl chance, and they've played much better, as we've both agreed, than expected.
0: Right, but if the Rams lose Aaron Donald, you would say they have no chance to make the
1: Super Bowl, right? I would already say that because they have a guy named Jared Goff as their quarterback. Yeah, but he's already made one, so <laughs> I mean, you can't really you can't really use that. Uh, I'll use that. I don't. I think he had a unicorn of a season that year, and that that contract is going to be a major problem for them going forward.
0: Did you see uh, Chris Sims said, everyone's saying, you know, oh, McVay, look, McVay's back, McVay's back. And Chris Sims actually said uh, to NBC Sports Bay Area, that's because he's stealing Kyle Shanahan's (laughs) plays.
1: I mean, that's what it is. They, I'm going to say they, because he's not the only one. There is Matt LaFleur and Green Bay as well, who runs a similar offense. They are parroting what Kyle Shanahan does. And sometimes they do it quite well. But we've also seen where when they need some real creativity in a game that's not going their way, they don't have it. We saw that a lot with the Rams last year. And that's because they're not the true inventor. They're just the puppet.
0: I don't want to defend McVay a little bit. All coaches steal plays from other coaches. All these games are on tape. Of course they're going to steal plays. Like, I don't mean to make it seem like he's doing something sinister, but I agree with you in that there's a difference between studying alongside a master and being a master and luckily for the 49ers they have the master in kyle shanahan and the other teams let's just face it flat out don't um
1: so you're saying shanahan is the talent capital t yeah
0: see shanahan a talent i <laughs> black the only t- <laughs> thing i Black is the one that begins your middle name
1: okay <laughs> i'm just making that point that you know, bring us full circle here, Rob. That, that That's why I'm the talent, because I bring it full circle. All right. Well, all right, Mr. Talent. Do the close, because I think we're pretty much done. So Go ahead. Show me how it's done. All right. That's it for us on the Gold Standard Podcast. Of course, I'm Levin Black, the talent, and I am courteous and allow Rob to join me every week. So, lucky you.
0: Gee, thanks. How about <laughs> mentioning that people can rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation podcast? you get this show. You'll get all the shows we do. Shanna Plan. Niners Nation podcast with Nate Nelson. And also, by the way, special guest, just confirmed, I will talk to ESPN's Mike Golick on Friday. Niners playing the Eagles. Golick played for the Eagles, so he's going to join me to jump on. Hopefully I can get him to dump on the Eagles just like all the Eagles fans are doing.
1: Yeah, that that should be an interesting conversation. So, once again, lucky you.
0: See, that's how you do the close. You tease ahead to something (laughs) that's going up. I don't know, capital T talent, maybe you're not aware of this.
1: Well, the talent doesn't have to do stuff like that because he's the talent. That's true. Talent, they're not <laughs> known for their detail.
0: That is very, very true. I could say that 15 years of producing <laughs> talent. God knows I could tell you that. Uh, for, for 11, I'm Stats. We'll see you next week.